O Jogo Benito, a phrase popularized by Edson Arantes do Nascimento, a famous footballer from Trace Cor... Cor... Ah, para, para, para. Let me do it. O Jogo Bonito, a phrase popularized by Edson Arantes do Nascimento, a famous footballer from Três Corações, though my better know him as Pelé. It means the beautiful game. So much is the sport of football interwoven in this nation's ethos that their greatest player was able to effectively nickname the sport itself. And for this nation, the nickname is a perfect fit, for here the style in which you win is as important as winning itself. The fans crave creative, flashy plays from their stars. The pitch turns into a canvas, and with every touch and passing shot, the masterpiece is slowly formed. And if all goes to plan, the outcome will be a match full of dazzling displays of football mastery. Of course, with this nation coming out on top. Their exciting style of side, winning is what this nation does. They've won five World Cups, more than any other nation. They have the most World Cup match victories. They have the highest winning percentage. The only thing they don't have is a World Cup victory on home soil, an achievement they tried and failed to accomplish four years ago with the infamous Minerasu haunting the collective memory of the nation. But if any country could put aside the passing rebound, it is this one, whose pool of football talent is wider and deeper than any other, and whose fans' thirst for redemption is as high as ever. Nessa semana, no Joe Pick World Cup Team, Brasil! States no football, but not football it seems. So now he needs a surrogate. Dan will help him look for it. They'll have decisions to make, like how much genocide's a deal break. Joe picks a World Cup team. He's crossing borders to find out who's for him. What more could you ask for? It's time to stamp your Joe picking passport. So grab your bottle and pour. Let's hope he doesn't start a war. Dan, what a beautiful intro. I, th- I feel like I found my new co-host. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> and and Joe, I he has recorded three segments. So this is, in the future, we're going to do like Mystery Science 3000. I've, he's recorded fan culture. He's oh. recorded food and couponing. And he's recorded the drink. So when those sections come up, where I'm just going to play my discussion with him, my, my good friend Marcelo, who's Brazilian, and you, we'll, we're going to learn straight from the source. And we're going to answer a great question, Joe, because, you know, we've been getting this feedback or this research from our, our fan emeriti, but we, we really haven't been able to check it. Right, there's been no there's been no on the ground fact checking at all. So we are going to get some we are going to get the answer to the question by the end of this episode is do our fan emeriti know what they're talking about or not? So it's gonna be very exciting, Joe. Ooh, I I can feel our fan emeriti sweating right now. <laughs> they should be. They should be. Now, Joe, I mean, for let's just get started. Why not? Because we normally start the show with the drink. Now from what I understand, you are not going to be drinking tonight. I'm not drinking because I will be taking intermittent breaks throughout our recording to puke. <laughs> because I am definitely sick. However, I'm feeling what an, okay right now. What an right amazing now. turnaround, Joe, that now I'm healthy and you're sick. 
I know, I know. One day, one day, Dan, we will both be healthy for this podcast. Well, Joe, I'm healthy for this podcast. My friend Marcel was healthy, and let's see what we both had multiple of drinks. So let's let's just see. You what and the Marcel drink is. are going to drag me across the finish line. <laughs> <laughs> so the drink, Sean said that the national drink of Brazil is the caper caperinha. Caipirinha. Caipirinha. Oh, so you're saying, oh, you pronounce it so well. Caipirinha. Caipirinha. The main ingredient is cachaça. 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 Yeah. Uh, or Brazilian rum. I love the yes. real-time fact-checking of your pronunciation. So we were, yeah. I, I was, I had the ingredients to make this drink, and I was about to make it, and you just said, no, stop, stop. <laughs> and then you watched the video in Portuguese, and we completely figured out the the right way to make it and i yeah. think we're we're drinking the the proper thing right now definitely it's very decent it's not the best i ever had but it's pretty good yeah it's decent. <laughs> just need to check it's very order because you have to like just put sugar in like the ice i just wanted to make the sure. key is it's not just the lime juice putting in you it, we put in the whole lime yeah. we muddled it all together we yes, put in a bunch same. of sugar and then we poured in the cas- cachaça. cachaça yeah and it's a pretty damn good drink yeah if when, if you look if you look at it being prepared people usually like like oh there's too much sugar but like you need the sugar because it's so bitter without it but it, it's a perfect balance it's like yeah. Great. yeah and you and the, you were saying this is the national like, is, like this yes. is right on yeah if i if i go to brazil and i go to a bar you everywhere we, we find cachaça yeah yeah. yeah 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 well i think this is a great drink we'll see what joe thinks he will love it for sure <laughs> <laughs> you'll love it for sure joe well see i love the fact that already well, A, so A-plus on the fan emeritus research on the drink. So our fan emeriti are now one for one. One for one. But also, you know, the real-time fact-checking of how the drink is mixed. Like, you know, it's one of the great challenges that that even watching a YouTube video or, uh, you know, reading the ingredient list, you're never going to mix it like a local does. It, it was really so great for him to do it because as I was going to do the drink, I was going to use lime juice. I was going to put simple syrup instead of sugar, and then I was just going to, you know, mix it. And he was like, no, 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 you can't do that. That's not, he's like, that's definitely not how they're made. So I made it, you basically cut up the lime, you cut up like a whole lime, skin, everything, you put it in the drink, you pour in a teaspoon of sugar, you muddle it all together, then you pour the kasasha on top of it. And he looked at the kasasha and he was like, oh, I know this brand, like, the brand of Kasasha I found at Bevmo for twenty dollars. He was like, "This is the sh- this is like the shittiest version of Kasasha <laughs> they get." But he's like, "They specifically make this for export, you know, so they can like make money to, to to sell it to other countries." But it's like their shittiest version. But you know, we poured it, we sampled, it, and he's like, "Yeah, this is like this is like what the drink tastes like," and it was good because I was tasting the drink and I was like. I of course I don't know what it tastes like, and then so he was like, he tasted it after the preparation said. We nailed it. It's un- unfortunate that you are not in a state to drink it right now, but it's a good drink. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a fantastic drink to puke up later tonight. <laughs> yeah. so. it, would, it would taste good both directions, <laughs> I can assure you. But, I mean, I think it, it, it is interesting to think about going forward with our with our drinks that, like, you know, if I were to just write down the ingredients and instructions of how to make an old-fashioned, and I make a pretty good old-fashioned, I don't think someone who would never tried an old-fashioned before would make it right absolutely and an old-fashioned drinks a passion of mine and honestly even for my own 
personal taste. I, I probably had to make 10 different ones until I right. figured out what I wanted. Right. You've gotten better in doing it, but you're not using a different set of ingredients. It's just like you're tweaking the ratios just so you're like changing how much you muddle stuff and whatever. And like the order you put things in. So yeah, like it's, it's great now. Once again, we're have a whole list of drinks that I have to drink with you now when I'm in San Francisco. Let's add yeah, this one this to the is list. I, I mean, my liquor cabinet is just amazing. now. <laughs> I, I also already bought the drink for Denmark, but it, it is actually, and, and, and to your point about how do you know what a good old fashioned is? You can taste it. And, and for him, when he tasted the caparina, he basically is like, oh, no, no, no. Needs a little more sugar. And then he tastes it and he's like, yes, this is the right. And, yeah. and of course, how could I know what it's properly supposed to taste like? I've never exactly. been to Brazil. Yeah. But, he, but now that he has shown me what the proper taste is, I now know what a caparina you know is supposed to taste yeah. like. And uh, so it's very exciting. I'm, I'm having my fourth one of the night because <laughs> as our podcast listeners well, are going to find for out. Two. Yeah, I'm drinking for two. This episode's probably going to be about two hours. We've got so much to cover. I'm so excited about it. And this is this. As I as I was talking with Marcelo earlier tonight, and we're going to come up in the sections. But but basically, the ethos of Brazil. Brazil is a a party country. It is a country where fun and passion and whatever is meant to be. That's what it's all about. That right. that is yes. the ethos of the country, and it obviously shows in the way they play football. And that was what we talk about in the intro, and we're going to talk about that more in the fan culture. And I have no idea. I'm sure we're going to talk about that so many times throughout the podcast. But this podcast is going to, for me. It's going to be a party, and and there's going to be some some absolutely breaking news in this podcast. It, it's unbelievable. There's so much to go. I, I let's just get into it, Joe. Let's open the mailbag because All right. our mailbag is built up a little bit. And, you know, normally when we move into a new set of teams, we, we start with a doubleheader. And I think for Brazil, Brazil was such an important country. It had to be on its own. Totally. Yeah. No, I, I think that makes sense. I mean, right, Brazil, no matter when it came up, it was, it was always going to be a single header night. And because of that... Because we're spending so much time to focus, I am going to focus some emails that are not Brazil-related, but this episode is going to be huge, it's going to be a big party, it's going to be a big celebration, and we're going to get, it's just going to be long, and you guys are going to enjoy it, just listen all the way through. First, Joe, our first email from new superfan, Paul, he says, hey Joe, I'm liking your podcast. It's just, as far as Paul is concerned, you're the only person he listens to, Joe. He only likes my, my, my section of it. He says... He, he mutes it every time your voice comes on. He says, Joe, will you do Peru? After 36 years, we've come back to the World Cup. We had a national holiday after we made it. I will be there myself. Joe, Paul is reaching out to you. He wants... To do a Peru episode, Joe, will you do a Peru episode? I mean, yes, Paul, absolutely. I don't, I don't know when, but we're going to do Peru. Joe, you've already. Th- this is why he loves you. He he asks you. You know, Paul, we'll do Peru, and I'll I'll guarantee you we'll do it in the next five because you asked for it. I'll throw out the randomness in the next five set of Peru's going to be on the next five from yes, 15 Paul to from 20 Peru. it's in thank you Paul for the email a new super fan Paul you're in you're now a super fan welcome now an 
a current super fan, and a new one, Joe, Arturo. Arturo, okay. Hey, guys. My name is Arturo. Full disclosure, I am originally from Mexico, so I will be supporting the U.S.'s rival in the World Cup. Maybe it's just me, but I thought the Serbia episode has been one of the best so far. Wow. Our, our, our gutter trash episode Serbia People Pleasing are loving the it. The history <laughs> of the, the ex-Yugoslav nations is of great interest to me, and I can't help but wonder how great of a team they would be if they were still together. Just think about it. A team with Dzeko and Begovic, Ratchik and Modric, Mitrovic, among others. See, this is where I need people from this country to participate. <laughs> I feel like Marcelo could even do better with with the, with the Yugoslavian names. Well, there was Jeko and Begovic from Bosnia and Herzegovina, Rakicic and Modric from Croatia, and Mitrovic from Serbia. I mean, he's right. Look, and and you know, you were talking about this on the podcast. I mean, if if you're talking about these, clearly these are like world stars. If these are like one-name yeah. people that everybody recognizes that are split out through these countries. It used to be one. It is no surprise that they used to be so good when they were together. No, I mean, it's what well, we talked about it. But like there's this alternate history of soccer of like if the UK were one team, uh, yeah. if West and East Germany in their dominant era had been one team. It's like, yeah. oh, my God. you know. And, and I think the same can be said for these Yugoslavian countries. Like, yeah, they, they have serious talent right now, but it's broken up amongst, you know, Four small nations. Yeah. And he continues. I have a suggestion for the show. Not sure if you guys have considered it, but maybe a good addition to your food and couponing category would be traveling to the country, i.e. how interesting it would be to travel to it. Is this a country you, Joe, would be inclined to visit? I think this is related to the food and groupon category because do you really want to travel to a country that has shit food? And if you can't use coupons, it might be too expensive. <laughs> I think since you guys touch on the history and several interesting facts of the country, it might be cool to learn if this place is worth vacationing to. Who knows? Maybe Joe will visit this country for a few days during the World Cup to experience the World Cup and potentially support the local fans. Anyways, keep up the good work. The podcast is great, and I can't wait for the next one. Oh, Arturo. Love it. You know, I'm going to actually give a serious answer to Arturo's question. Um because it's definitely a category that we thought about, Dan. And obviously we thought about it so much that in our first season, it was a category. It was. That we used for the NFL cities. I think the challenge that I had in thinking about that as a category is that when you talk about a whole country, there's not any country that I don't want to visit. Like even Serbia, which was a gutter trash country to talk about. Just kidding. To our okay. Serbia fans. <laughs> just kidding. Just Joe. kidding. No, just kidding. <laughs> even Serbia, like Serbia would be a fucking interesting place to go to. No, like, yeah. like it's hard for me to think of a country that I would be like, no, like, like I am still confident that I have no interest in visiting Tampa Bay, Florida, period. But like, there's not a country I don't want to visit. But I do think that Arturo's right. We're sort of getting to how I would think about what countries I would most want to visit when we talk about things like fan culture, because um, that really is a category judging like, like, what would it be like to be watching the World Cup in this country? And obviously the food and couponing is a huge part of, you know, any country I'd want to visit. I agree. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to get a real – tonight's episode is going to be a little unfair because, spoiler alert, when we get into fan culture, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And certainly when we get to food and couponing, we're going to get some on-the-ground reporting of, of what it would be like to be in Brazil. And, and honestly, look, I think 
to Arturo's point, food and couponing and travel are actually like so interconnected because, you know, couponing, whatever. But the food is obviously <laughs> when yes. you, the one thing you're guaranteed to do when you go to a new country is is have the local cuisine. And I think if there's one aspect of the country that's going to shape your visit more than anything else, it's it's going to be the food. Yeah, I mean that Serbian burger, like. You know, right there, like great example of like there's not a country in the world that I wouldn't want to visit. I want to go get one of those Serbian burgers. I, I really want that so badly. The, why, Joe? The this this podcast as, as like as I was buying the the liquor for this, you know, I have to buy this twenty dollar bottle of Brazilian liquor, the Casasha, and then the Denmark episode's a thirty dollar. This podcast has me really in the hole. The only way this is going to come out profitable is if we come up with the next million-dollar idea, and I think it might be bringing that Serbian burger to America. A Serbian burger truck, just just, just roaming around the streets of San Francisco. We could do it. We should do it. All right. But anyways, moving on. Thank you, Arturo. Super fan, Arturo. We love your feedback. We can't wait. Too bad. Oh, wait. We haven't even done the Mexico episode yet. We've been to Mexico. We've traveled yeah. to Mexico. We haven't done we really the Mexico should, we episode We really should have done it when we were there. But Arturo is going to help us on that yeah, episode. Yeah, Arturo, send in some great feedback for the Mexico episode. Now, Joe, we've got our last email. I've saved the best for last, although Arturo's email was great. In fact, all the emails are great. But, Joe, this one is from your old buddy, your old friend, Tom. <laughs> yes. Tom says, gentlemen... I finally caught up, just finished the Serbia episode. This is my first email of the new season. I'm not going to tell you to shorten it, like Rob. I would never stifle your creativity, but wow, that was a doozy. It was the first episode I fast-forwarded through the anthem. (laughs) (laughs) That that was fair with the Serbian anthem. That was totally fair. You're right. The Serbian anthem was a little bit, but paint by numbers. You know, it's just like... Ugh, repetitive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dan... I really think you brushed the sides of the genocide stuff a little easily. I understand your argument. They don't have to be inclusive because there are really only Serbs left in Serbia. But the reason there are only Serbs in Serbia is because everybody else is in mass graves. That's what they, that is what successful ethnic cleansing looks like. So maybe you can chill. So maybe they chill with the racial stuff for a little bit. Tom, I just want to say this. You are right. I, as I was listening on, on editing, I was too Serb- it, it, first of all, what, what Tom is saying is is a little inaccurate. There are a lot of people that aren't in mass graves, but the problem is that Serbia and and you know Joe, you you were just in Israel, and this is an an issue with Israel, and a, a lot of countries have this issue. And I thought, why can't the people who want to live in Serbia live in Serbia, and why can't the people who don't want to live in Serbia live in Kosovo or live in Croatia or whatever? But the problem is some of the people who happen to have a house that is within Serbia aren't Serbs, aren't, aren't a Serb. They're a Muslim or they're whatever. And it really sucks if you live in your house that happens to geographically be in a location and then you're discriminated against just based on the fact that the house you built Maybe when it was the greater Yugoslavia, maybe it was totally. passed down for your family, happened to be in some geographic location that somebody arbitrarily draws a line and says, you're not supposed to be here. And obviously, 
in certain cases in Serbia's history, it resulted in just horrible things, in mass killing. But I think in, in the much greater sense, it just resulted in this discrimination and, and what in America would be called self-deportation, which, you know what? I'm, a, I'm against it. Fuck it. People should just be able to fucking deal with other people. And that is my new stance. And Tom, you are right. I am wrong. Any thoughts, Joe? I mean, if nothing else, this podcast has now, I would say, successfully changed your view on Serbian ethnic cleansing. (laughs) That's a good thing. That's a good thing. We've made progress. I'm not pro any ethnic cleansing. I'm just saying. No, I'm I'm saying you were pro ethnic cleansing, and now you have changed your stance, which I think is a good thing. No. No cleansing. I was pure, potentially Serb nationalism, but now... It, it is just like all these borders are arbitrary. Like, you know, if there no, was and, like and a free, if you, it's like you could trade your house in Serbia for a free exchange in Kosovo and just people could just live harmoniously, I'd be, I'd be happy. Right. But right. That, that it's just unrealistic. And so, well, you know, also like, like it's not like, it's not like when you have these these issues where there's a a a dominant an oppressive culture, right? And then who, who's discriminating against a minority. It's not like, you know, maybe like the way that you're like describing it, where it's like, Oh, all these Serbians. And then a random house of a, of a Muslim Serb, like in the middle of this neighborhood, like usually as like, I know was the case with like my dad's family when they were refugees from Egypt, like, like they lived in like a Jewish neighborhood. Like it wasn't like, you know, like, 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 like even if, the culture is itself um, marginalized within in the society. They tend to be either by like by like design ghettoized or just by like the nature of people's self selection. They like tend to be in like their own little hood, and then at some point, what happens is these countries say like, "Yeah, we don't want you to be there anymore either, and we're going to kill you or kick you out." Yeah, yeah. And again, you're all right. I was wrong. I, I was I was too defensive and and you know what? This is the Brazil episode. This is a fun party episode. This is a party. Yeah. So Tom, you're right. I was wrong. He continues and look, Joe, this is a party episode. We I, I did need to say my piece about Serbia because I felt bad with my own opinion listening to it after I became a little more educated on it. But that's this is a Brazil episode and for from this moment on, we're back to party. We are back to Carnival. Tom continues. First, this season's way better than the last season because there's much less Rob. Yes. Agreed. Yes. Yes. We he all said, agree. Your Panthers turned out to be a great pick. Except for the owner turned out to be on the wrong side of race and gender issues. Oof. But that's great because now they're going to get bought by P. Diddy. <laughs> this is going to be great. I'm actually a little disappointed I wasn't consulted for this season or last because he can be an honest broker. I remember many years ago, Joe, when you were trying to find a Premier League team, and he recommended to you Tottenham based on a few factors. A great city that you'd want to see a game in, not too good or not too bad, a strong Jewish tradition. He made the recommendation to you to be a Tottenham fan despite himself being a devoted Arsenal supporter. Because he felt it right for you. It seems to have paid off. I'm, it still is. You are a happy Tottenham supporter. Especially, he says, considering the recent ascendance. And you can 
and you're fully enjoying this ascendance and not being a bandwagon fan. It's true. I mean, Tom is Tom is pretty good at picking stuff for me. Is this is this I mean, is this real news? Tom actually helped you become a Tottenham fan? I mean, you know, you know, I think Tom Tom may be overstating things a bit, but I think, you know, you know, I think before this podcast, Tom and I had similar conversations to the ones that you and I are having about me picking a Premier League team and through that process and I think to his point of being an honest broker, like he he agreed and 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 helped recommend his arch rival. Yeah. And boy, being a Tottenham fan is so fun and, and good for Tom. Oh, and he continues. It's the best time. And it's terrible to be an Arsenal fan right now, too. Yeah. He continues. Two last points. I have a grammar suggestion. Ugh. There have been some struggle to find the appropriate plural of fan emeritus. I think it should be like attorneys general or courts martial. Something. Oh, fans emeritus. Joe, look at that. You're, you, I love it. You jumped it. He said he proposes fans emeritus. All things from his uh, current situation. And why not to add to it? He says, you haven't done the South Korea episode yet. He's right. He wants to provide input because is he currently stationed in Korea? Yes. And he has been for, for a few years now. So he, he's, he's embedded in the South Korean culture. Absolutely. And he says he wants to provide input. And why not? He just thought of it. He'll send us a bottle of soju. We just, I can save money by not having to buy yes. the, the drink. All right, Tom, I'm taking you up on that. So we should, we should pre-plan, Dan... To, to record the South Korea episode when we're together in San Francisco so he doesn't have to send two bottles of anything. Whoa, Joe. Yeah. I Let's love save it. Save Tom some money on shipping. All right. That is uh, the, the mailbag. And normally at this point we get into a little segment I like to call Homeland Handbook. But we are not. Because I have one last bit of feedback, Joe. It's from myself to our podcast listeners, Joe. This is the breaking news that I was uh, aforementioning. Uh, aforementioning, is that an appropriate use of that term? No, but, but I'll allow it. <laughs> Joe. Yes. As directly a result of this podcast, well, that's not true, but let's just pretend it is. Joe, I am now officially engaged to be married. Dan. <laughs> have you told your sister yet? This is how you're telling us? I have not told... Anybody, I'm releasing it live on the podcast. I couldn't decide how to tell all my friends, so I just thought, I'm just saying it on the podcast, oh whichever friends listen to it first, <laughs> cut the news first. You know what? I'm not going to tell Liz, and then we're going to wait months and then be like, well, Liz, we said it on the podcast. I have not told her. I have not told my parents. I haven't told anybody. You are the first person to hear it. Dan, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That's it. There you go. It's a party episode, Joe. It's it's to Megan, right? Uh, yes. yes oh, good. Okay. okay. I've okay. thought about other options, but at the end, uh, unfortunately, I would tell the truth, but Megan now listens to every episode of the podcast. <laughs> I keep telling her to stop listening, but she she listens to every episode. Well, congratulations, Megan, then. Oh, my God. That's so exciting, Dan. Yeah, that's congratulations. it. Congratulations. What a way to announce it to the world, Dan. <laughs> no. How many people have done it by announcing it on their own podcast that has, I mean, I don't know, s- tens of listeners? Yeah. I mean, I mean the, there, there's a small pocket of the world. 
I mean, what I, I just like the notion that Arturo and Paul from Peru are going to know that you're engaged before your sister does. It's amazing. Well, I, I think they're not going to know because I think you're going to tell her immediately after this podcast is done recording. But because I know she does not listen to the podcast. <laughs> but, Joe, Megan and I are already talking about wedding planning and it's already tearing our relationship apart. Seems like how do you how do you possibly plan a wedding? Seems impossible. I mean, I think the best way to do it, Dan, I mean, this is like serious advice now. From someone who 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 had a wedding that was both co-planned by your sister, who you know is a very like alpha personality, yeah, and like my mother, who's equally problematic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the key thing is to pick like two things that you really care about that you're willing to like die in your sword about, and then and then the rest of it just fuck it, just let it go. The problem is, I don't think Megan wants to plan it either. Oh, well, you know, then you guys should just elope then. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But I want to I have like a big party for everybody, for you and all of our friends and all of our podcast listeners, just to have like a big party. You know, we don't care about the wedding. We care about the like everybody getting together. Isn't That's the fun part about weddings. Wedding receptions are always so fun. You always have such a cool mix of people, you know? So would you and Megan be open to actually having your ceremony on the finale episode of this podcast. <laughs> First of all, I think announcing the engagement is already really helping our ratings, Joe. Totally. totally D- during totally. Sweeps Week. People, pod- people, podcast Sweeps people Week. People love wedding episodes. <laughs> I know. Boy, if we do the, le- the, the... Maybe... We have to do it before the World Cup, I guess. Yeah, I think so. The timeline's just going to be too tight. You know what, Joe? We'll, we'll put a, a pin in that. And then you honeymoon in Russia. It's perfect. <laughs> We've always been talking about going to Russia. So, <laughs> uh, it's so exciting, but that's the breaking news. Now, let's get to – it's a celebration episode. And, and honestly – What a party. I, I'm excited. I'm, I, I'm almost finished with my third caparina. I'm about to make my fourth. But before we do that, let's do a little segment, Joe. I like to call Homeland Handbook and learn a little bit more about this country, Brazil. I'm not talking about the background, though I should. But uh, look, we all know about Brazil. Anyways, the name of the people, a Brazilian, a group of Brazilians who are all Brazilian. The language spoken in Brazil and both in our introduction to introduce the show, Portuguese, the religion, 65% Roman Catholic, 22% Protestant. The capital city is Brasilia. Hmm. I wish I had Marcel to pronounce that, but Joe, our favorite segment in this party episode, guess, you, I'm feeling good. The positive vibes are flowing from Brazil. Yes. From my yeah. interview with Marcel, I mean, I am so we, there's such positive vibes in my podcast studio. I know your podcast studio was filled with vomit just a few minutes ago, but I think we can start this episode off with a two for two, Joe. I think so. What's I the think chief so. export of Brazil? Well, I've thought a lot about this. So, 
what do we know about things that come from Brazil and America? There's obviously a lot of Brazilian coffee, but I feel like I've been burned by coffee a few times. Because even if a country, I mean, Brazil might be the country that exports more coffee than anywhere else in the world, and it still might not be their chief export. So I'm not going to say coffee, but I'm just thinking out loud about this. Um, we know about Brazilian waxes. Maybe, maybe it's wax. <laughs> we know they like a they like a shorn vagina. Wax that is, is well known throughout the world. It's an incredibly expensive thing to get. It Absolutely. must be imported from other you places. Need, you need that, that great Brazilian wax. There's there there there's something called a Brazilian nut. I'm sure they export that. Isn't that poisonous? Mm, well, I mean, if it is, they shouldn't be exporting it. That'd be rude. Um. But what I think, and I'm going to go with my instincts here. I know Brazil's a really big country with a lot of rainforest. And I know that a lot of rainforest, the issue with rainforest deforestation is land for farming. So I'm going to guess like their brothers and sisters to the south or southeast or whatever, southwest in Uruguay. I'm going to guess it's meat. Yes. No, that's that's the bad whistle. No, that's a good whistle. You whistle for something that's good. No, this is good. <laughs> no, that's when you want someone to get it out of the way because they're in the way of your bike. He's going to get a red card. All right, that's bad. Joe, oh, my God. Once again, you are going on such a good path. <laughs> Just... I was. It's a party episode. I was. I was willing to take any and all things. Had you said coffee, I would have given it to you. Oh no, Joe. The problem with meat is that Brazil is such a big country that they eat most of the meat they consume. And as we will see in the food and couponing section, due to my exclusive interview, meat is very important. But they don't export it. They they eat it. There's so many people there. It's the same thing that happened with Argentina. Joe, ugh. when they tear down all that rainforest land, which is horrible and they shouldn't do it, they plant farmland, which produces such key money crops as soybeans, oh, corn, soybeans. and that's right, coffee. Their number one export is agriculture. Their number two export, which I have also given you credit for, which you were not going to get, is iron ore. So apparently, iron or, iron or what? <laughs> iron or the thing that will be converted to steel later, which will make that <laughs> cheap Brazilian steel that we all love. Oh no, Brazilian steel isn't cheap. Brazilian steel is the best. Well, I don't know if it's any uh, Japanese steel. Ooh, but you import that Brazilian ore to Japan? Yeah, that, I mean that that makes the best swords. All right, Joe. <laughs> You're 0 for 1. This is a party episode. It's not a party if you're wrong on everything. There are 32 countries in the World Cup. I've ranked them all by population. Brazil is somewhere on that list between 1 and 32. Where is Brazil in the World Cup countries by population? Well, this one, I think I have a good shot at because Brazil's fucking huge. Uh, So I'm going to, just to give myself more breathing room... I'm going to guess number three. For this particular one, I'm not accepting the normal rules. The normal rules are out, Joe. They're out. Wait, wait you, you can't tell me that before. 
No, because you're doing you're you're making a strategic guess, knowing you get anything from one to five correct. That Joe? Yes. No. <laughs> For this episode, you have to guess it on the dot. It is yes, Joe. I will tell you it is between one and five, and I'll tell you it's between one and three. Yeah. Is yeah. of the World Cup countries are they number one, number two, or number three? Number two. He's an idiot. Okay. Now you've gotten that wrong. So there are only two left. What is Brazil? Okay. Let's think about the biggest countries in the world. I mean, could Brazil be the number one biggest country in the World Cup? So, okay, Joe, let's, let's simplify this. What's the biggest country in the world not in the World Cup? China. What's the number two biggest country not in the World Cup? India. What's the number three biggest country not in the World Cup? America. What's the number four or biggest country not in the World Cup? Indonesia. What's the number five biggest country? I mean, I guess maybe it's Brazil, huh? Is that right? How big was Russia? Joe, just All right. go with your Let's gut. Let's say number one. Number one. That's right. You're right. They're the number five biggest country in the world. They're the number one country in the World Cup. Why is Brazil so good at international football? It's because they are both huge and everybody grows up wanting to be a football star. I mean, it's the reason people are like, why can't America be good? It's because people grow up and they want to be good at baseball and they want to be good at basketball and they want to be good at American football. This is why Brazil is so good. It's a country of 210 million people. They're the fifth biggest country in the world. They are by far the number one biggest country in the World Cup. I mean, the real question is, why isn't India better when they have a billion more people? Yeah, well, I mean, you could ask the same question about China. I, I think the, the issue is a combination of the people Extreme don't Extreme poverty. Care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it, it's in India, India is one of the best cricket countries in the world, and, and China is the best country in the world in a, in a large variety of sports. But neither of those countries, and, and Indonesia also, football, they, they really don't care about it. And in the U.S., people do care about soccer, but it's obviously very, very far from the number one sport. So Brazil is by far the largest country in the world where soccer is the number one sport and, you know... It, it, the results are it, it's what you see it, it, it's it's yeah. one of the reasons why brazil is so dominant and let's just jump right into section one you don't want a country that's too good too bad you want to hear the road to qualification and you want to hear the world cup history let's start with the world cup history joe you might have heard this in the intro but this country brazil has won the world cup not once, not twice, not thrice, not four times, but five times. That's more than anybody else in the world. Two countries have won it four times, Joe. Can you name them? Okay. Um, Italy. Correct. Is one. And the other country that's won it, I guess, Germany? Correct. Or, okay. So, Germany and Italy have won it four times. Brazil's won it five times. 
Nobody else has won it more than twice. So we're talking about the elite of the elite, and Brazil is that. Brazil won it 1958 in Sweden. They won it in 1962 in Chile. They won it in 1970 in Mexico. They won it in 1994 in our very United States of America. And they won it in 2002 in the Korea slash Japan. They were runners up twice, too, in 1950 in their own when they hosted it in Brazil. And in 1998, when it was hosted in France. Brazil is the only country that's played every edition of the FIFA World Cup without any absence. So that's amazing. That is amazing. As was mentioned in the intro, Brazil has the best overall performance in World Cup history, both in both per game and overall statistics. 70 victories in 104 matches played, a plus 119 goal differential, 227 points, with only 17 losses. So they're very good. They've been very good throughout. Yeah. And if we look in somewhat recent history, since the World Cup expanded to 32 teams in 1998, their worst finish, worst finish, was sixth in 2010 in South Africa. Even in the 2014 World Cup, which was an absolute disaster, they finished fourth. Yeah, that's insane. How's their qualifying cycle? We have already talked about CONMEBOL qualifying before with a couple teams, both Uruguay and Argentina. We know there are 10 teams. Every team plays everybody else. They play 18 games round robin with everybody else. It's the simplest structure and yet yet also probably the hardest to make it through. Impossibly hard impossibly hard you have to play all of these south american countries home and away it, it's it's brutal and so but i love that there's no like there's no group bullshit there's no like fourth runner-up plays this it's just it's just straight up they play the first match at chile they lose two to zero people in brazil were panicking a little bit now look everybody knows playing at chile is hard it's played at altitude it's a tough country to play in but this is brazil They start out qualifying with a loss after what was widely considered a very lackluster 2014 performance. Some warning bells were coming up in the country. Is there Mm -hmm. a hangover? Is this team not as good as we thought they are? Well, in the next 17 games, they would not lose again. They finished with 12 wins, 5 draws, and that lone loss to Chile. And... This, I mean, the stats on their qualifying are amazing. Every other South America team that qualified for the World Cup didn't do so until after the last day of qualifying, the 18th match in October. Brazil qualified in March after only 14 matches. Their last four games were irrelevant. During a stretch from games 5 to 13, they won nine games in a row where they faced and beat Every South American team other than Chile, Chile they played first and last, but they in the nine-game winning streak, they faced and beat eight different teams. And in doing so, they outscored their opponents. We're talking about eight out of ten teams in South America. Unbelievable South American teams. Home and away, home and away. They outscored them 26-2. to two. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that's that's, i mean that's absurd then they got their revenge against chile in the last game which was meaningful for chile chile was playing to potentially get into the world cup brazil was playing for nothing they beat chile three to nothing which was important 
because that meant that Brazil finished with a positive goal differential against every single other South American team. It's <laughs> oh my God. just unbelievable. In the South American, in CONMEBOL, Brazil scored the most goals, 41. They allowed the fewest goals, 11. Their plus 30 goal differential destroyed second place, which was plus 12. They finished 10 points ahead of second place. And as I said, they qualified with a joke. They they could have lost their last four games. It wouldn't have mattered. Uh, un, if you're talking about a hangover from 2014, and, and look, in, in all honesty, they didn't have to qualify for 2014 since they were hosting it. Maybe right. the team lost right. some edge. They came back and absolutely destroyed qualification this year. And let's get to their overall odds, Joe. To make it into the knockout rounds, 92%. To make it to the quarterfinals, 66%. To make it to the semifinals, I mean, these numbers are like joke numbers, but this is a real, these are the real betting odds. To make it to the semifinals, 45%. Oh, my God. To make it to the finals, 27%. To win the World Cup, 15%. Putting their betting odds at 5-1, to one, which is second best in the World Cup. And that's for, I mean, you know, that is for a European, that's a South American team in a European World Cup. That's incredible. Correct. So, I mean, look, there's not going to be much drama about what country is number one, but I'll, I'll not say to keep the drama up, but but yes. The number one team is obviously a European team who who has it a lot easier. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, look, look, you know, the... The question with Brazil and a few other teams that are at the very like top, top, top of world soccer is, are they simply just too good for me to like, am I a uh, glory hunter, glory chaser? What do they call me? What's the British term that they use in their last podcast? Glory hunter, front runner. I mean, the word glory was definitely in it, but like, am I, am I a glory hunter um, by picking Brazil? And I think... Like, they are a little bit too good for me to latch on to and not seem like I'm just trying to pick the best team. Um, which I think, like, you know, the same is a little bit true for Argentina. The same is obviously going to be true when we talk about Germany um, and, you know, potentially Spain and others. Um, but that being said, there is a little bit of, like, uh, you know, they did disappoint in 2014. And I think similar to some of the teams that we've talked about in other in other episodes, other seasons of this podcast, like the talent that they have, they should have done so much better in 2014. So it's like it's it's not just that they had a a disappointing World Cup, but like but like they're so talented and like their current team should should win everything, right? Like their fans are right to expect that. So I think that they're that they are too good, but um, but man, what a road to qualification! What an exciting team this would be. So I'm going to give this a six out of ten. Six out of ten. All right. Oh, that drink looks so good. It really is. Oh, I want one so badly. It's <laughs> quite good. Uh, all right, um, Dan. I mean, you you pre-recorded some of these uh, with our Brazilian friend. Is there any that you that you want? Are you that you're hoping come up randomly first? I mean. If it, look, I have pre-recorded segments for food and couponing and for fan culture. If you 
this is Joe picks a World Cup team. If you want to start with the ones and feel like to get the ethos, no, no, no. then that I just wanted to know. I just wanted to know what to root for. So when we randomly pick a card, I, it's up to you. Look, we can start with them or we cannot. It's up to you, Dan. You're you're it's you fate. Pick. It's fate. The first card I drew was the Joker. Oh, all right. Well, that, again. You could go with your, your celebrities category. You could pick food and couponing or fan culture, whatever you want, Joe. Um, I mean, I think after his exposure on this podcast, I think Marcelo is the biggest celebrity from Brazil. <laughs> Obviously. He's uh, a star, Joe. Is he like a lot of the Brazilian players where it's like, it's just Marcelo, there's no last name? That's it. Everybody just knows him. Literally, in San Francisco. You just say Marcelo and everybody's like, oh, that's so a Brazilian his, guy. His driver's license just says Marcelo on it. Absolutely. I love it. Uh, let's let's start with everyone's favorite category, food and couponing. Let's do it. All right. So, again, I'm going to play our pre-tape interview, but both you and I can talk over it. So, <laughs> if you okay. want, Mystery Science Theater style, although it'll be very confusing for people. How will they know when you're talking on the video or talking to me? They won't. They won't. Can you use a different voice in your, like, Mystery Science Theater? Should I use, this is my new voice? Or should I use my southern drawl? Yeah, use a southern drawl this if, is you're, if you're going to have an aside to me. Joe, what do you think of this? <laughs> perfect. All right, food and couponing. That's my old me. Coupon. So what is it? This is perfect. So Joe it's like Forrest really Gump and is Kevin interested Spacey in combined. how much a nation likes couponing and using Groupon. Because that's the thing. And so, so here, let's see. So thanks to Emily for doing this research. Emily says coupon is pronounced Coupon in Portuguese. Coupon. Is that, yeah. yeah. Coupons only started in the 1990s and were limited to being handed out to people as they passed stores. By 2010, coupons were made more available using the internet, but Groupon is not a service they have. So it seems like coupons not very big in Brazil. We actually had uh, because before Groupon got there, we had like a, a, a copycat called Peixe Urbano, which means like urban fish or whatever that means. That's yeah. exactly like Groupon, and I think they were bought by Groupon very recently, like one or two years ago. Yeah, yeah. But was that big? Is that popular in Brazil? It was popular for well, I mean, it was popular for a while, but like I guess things are a little bit more disorganized in Brazil than here. So like using your your coupon was really stressful people if you go to a restaurant people yeah. like you can, could only go to a restaurant in between like one or two p.m and then people like fight the company <laughs> that's how they so get you not, man honestly that's not something yeah it's just not something that's a good fit for brazil no yeah we're too like we don't like to make plans or like like that you know yeah well i don't even, know but even like reserving restaurants <laughs> we don't do that. <laughs> dan your interview style is, is fantastic people like to be free and just like i feel like eating right now and you just go out to a restaurant. Is there do are there lines for restaurants like normal? There are lines, yeah. Although of course you can make reservations, but it's not like part of our culture, like something like I, I guess like when I'm living here, that's the first thing you think. Like I'm yeah. gonna go there tonight. Maybe I'm gonna make a reservation. It's not something like that comes to the top of our mind. So you just say, I wanna go here, I want <laughs> this go. food. You you get there, there's a bunch of people there. You just go to the bar and have a caparina. Yeah, or you complain and go to the next <laughs> next restaurant. Yeah, go to the next restaurant. <laughs> now Speaking of, of, of those restaurants, Emily continues, Brazil is a unique culinary country as it takes its cue from both the location, its neighbor's flavors, as well as the influences from its European immigrants. Additionally, the food varies depending on which part of the country you are from, similar to the U.S. So, she says that the national dish is 
Feijoada. 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 All right. If, if you haven't tried, they have good ones in San Francisco, sure. Yeah, I, what, yeah. she says it's a, a stew of black beans, rice, and pork. Yeah. So you're, that's right. Yeah, that's right. If I go there, I'm having feijoada. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. yeah of course, white, like rice and like some vegetables. Fan of Maritire, two and for two, And she also Dan. said they enjoy their meat and fried food like pastes? Pastes. Oh, my God. I miss those, yeah. Pastes. are literally like empanadas. Empanadas, yeah. Yeah, just deep-fried, like, things. I think they're so good. Yeah, she says it's pastry dough stuffed with various meats or cheese that's on deep-fried. Yeah. That sounds good. She says, um, coxinas? Cozinhas? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Cozinhas, which she said is... Oh, coxinhas. Oh, coxinhas, okay. Coxinhas, which she said is... my favorite is, thing in the world. It's your favorite thing in the world? I, even my, my, my girlfriend's American. She's like... Everybody gets addicted to coxinhas because it's, like, amazing. Yeah, she said they're fried chicken croquettes. Go Uber Eats and get some coxinhas. Coxinhas, right? Yeah, it's really good. This was really exciting. <laughs> I mean, our researchers are apparently doing they a great amazing. job. Coxinhas is more like a snack, especially, like, late at night, coming from, like, coming from, uh, from a party or something something or like a, I don't know it's just amazing yeah if you're, if you're a student like you just have questions because they're cheap no deep fried balls of chicken it's amazing so it's like the American equivalent would be like a chicken McNugget at like McDonald's yeah yeah yeah, yeah, that, like that. yeah. <laughs> but these sound better and then she says one more which is uh, pau de queijo pau de queijo yeah yeah <laughs> okay. like cheese bread yeah that's it she said cheese bread she said it's similar to cheese puffs in America yeah it's literally just bread with like it's like a hint of cheese it's amazing alright well that's good. so are there any favorite foods of Brazil that you think uh, are not mentioned here yeah I think uh, well, another big thing we have is like just eating meat like barbecue right yeah all you mm-hmm. can eat barbecue uh, we just we're just like crazy about meat yeah and like if you think about the uh, average like, the standard like medium class worker like dish would be like black beans rice fries and a steak yeah that's like a Oh, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. 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 Always a steak. <laughs> As, and uh, she says, finally, fun fact, some restaurants charge customers by the weight of their plates. Yeah, that's very common. Yeah. Very common? Very common. Because, like, we, we can't choose. Like, it's hard for We don't want to no, make commitments, go to an Italian restaurant. We just go to a restaurant. They have, like, this buffet with everything. And you pick a little bit here, a little bit here, make, put in your... your plate and then they weigh it they just weigh it at the end yeah it's not everywhere that's like especially those restaurants are common in in like neighborhoods or people with companies or people are working yeah so you go like it's like every week so you and what is the strategy is just get all meat uh, I guess no, meat's the heaviest. Meat, yeah, but they usually ch- they it's usually like everything has one like you you, you measure by weight, but then you have one steak. They have a oh. different treatment for. <laughs> so you always have so the steak on the side. Yeah, yeah. 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 People otherwise everybody just get meat, but like not really. People like it, it's this perfect trinity. It's like black beans, white rice, and meat. Yeah, you can just have the meat. It's kind yeah. of weird unless yeah. it's like a Sunday barbecue. Yeah. All right, Joe. All right, Joe. I don't know what voice no. I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> that was great, Dan. I mean, first of all, okay, how's this an idea for a restaurant? Instead of them weighing your plate, they weigh you at the beginning when you walk in, and then they weigh you at the end when you walk out. Okay, but now... So it's based on how much you actually ate, not, not what you got on your plate. The problem is the restaurant... Actually, I think once the opposite, they want to, 
incentivize people to like eat what they get but not waste food. I think the right thing to do would be weigh the plates at the end of your meal and then for any waste food you you have like you got to pay extra. Yeah. No, I guess that makes sense. Or so maybe they're weighing you and they're weighing the plate to like yeah, see yeah, how yeah. much you're, of the plate right. you weigh ate. You yeah. and the plate. I, I see. Yeah, you're right. Because that's that's the right way to to make it work. Yeah. Although if you use the restroom during the that that could be. Uh, well, that's the loophole. You, you 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 literally can't go to the bathroom. Or you could use your current loophole right now and vomit out all the food you ate. It's true. It's true. Uh, Man, you know, Marcelo knows a lot about couponing. Does he professionally work in the couponing industry? Uh, I, I know Marcelo. He used to work at the same company I did, which was not in the couponing industry. And now he does. I, he He's worked in the music business. He now works for a very large uh, internet company. And he... He has no experience in the couponing industry more than you or I as tech-savvy people would. When you say he works for a large internet company, you're talking about Netscape, right? He is the lead designer for Netscape Navigator, yes. <laughs> um, I mean, his, his knowledge of Brazilian couponing industry is, is impeccable. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, he literally uh, lived in Brazil for his entire fucking life until he, he came to the U.S. That's fine. I've lived in the U.S. I, I don't know that much about the U.S. couponing industry. That, that, that was, I was impressed. I think, I think you know more about the U.S. couponing than you let on. You know, what, you know what's interesting is the, the amount that couponing is linked to the culture in that, like, Marcelo's point is that like sort of the freewheeling, like not planning ahead Brazilian way of living is not conducive to couponing, which you would think, I mean, I would think a country that, that is selling food by the weight, like that should be an ideal country. Like you get a, you get a, you know, a coupon that's like, you know, you know, get eight ounces, the next two ounces are free. But his, his point was that the Brazilians themselves are such a passionate emotional people which is exuded in all aspects of their society which includes their football play but it almost makes them it makes them not want to use coupons because couponing itself is a to to put it in football terms to use a coupon is a very german thing it requires preparation in advance you've got to acquire the coupon you have to go to a prescribed place at a prescribed time the brazilians don't want that the brazilians want i mean literally by design it takes the act of going out and having fun and adds paperwork (laughs) exactly right like 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 that is what it it is is. it's just (laughs) anti-brazilian yeah so look i think um i think you got to dock a few points for the couponing stuff but but you're right it it gives a better explanation for why couponing wouldn't be a thing there. But man, like that food sounds fantastic. Great research from Emily. Totally backed up by the Brazilian two local. Two for two, two for two. And, um, you know, you can't go wrong with just copious amounts of meat. That's amazing. So I'm going to say eight and a half out of ten. Eight and a half, wow. By far the highest score in this category. I mean, was there anything that they describe that you didn't want to taste look brazilian food is is known throughout the world as being a a, a cuisine you want to sample and what 
it's 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 easy as when Marcelo says you can get this really delicious thing in San Francisco. Like if 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 a, a food stuff in Brazil is so popular that he, a Brazilian guy, knows places to get in San Francisco, it means it's fucking good. Totally agree. All right, Dan. We are headed to category eleven. Well, we now jump into Superfan Tony, PhD's area. I hope Superfan Tony, PhD, by this point has already texted me congratulations for <laughs> becoming engaged. But and okay, give me advice about wedding planning. But if he hasn't, he should do. He should pause the podcast right now and do that. For everybody else, we'll continue. The national anthem of Brazil. The origin story. He. This is why I really wish I had Marcel. It's. It is. It was just so fun to like mispronounce stuff, and then he just <laughs> pronounces it perfectly. I mean, there was one of those foods where you pronounced it so badly that he didn't even know what you were talking <laughs> no, about, and it turned out that it was his favorite food. <laughs> I, I mispronounced it so badly, it like could have been like three different foods. <laughs> And then I mean, it took him a while to figure out which one it was. I'm just trying to picture how someone from another country could pronounce the word hamburger so badly that I wouldn't be able to understand it. Hambrugs. <laughs> but when he pronounces stuff, it is just crazy. It is. I mean, I understand Spanish pronunciations. I, I, I do. I, I believe just based on the way he talks it, that Portuguese is is like one level further in terms of like. They they just have letters and, and sounds that are just very difficult to pronounce. Anyways, the national anthem, Hino Nacional Brasileiro, was composed... <laughs> I'm just going to butcher it all. I apologize. Marcelo wouldn't have podcast listeners. Marcelo is shaking his head <laughs> he's, somewhere. He's relaxed. He subscribed to the podcast. He's a new listener. Running, running on the treadmill at... at, at- at Netscape, <laughs> Netscape corporate headquarters, Netscape he's shaking headquarters. his head. <laughs> he is very excited. He wanted to hear the Argentina one first to see what we said about their bitter rivals. Oh, oh shit. I, I gave a spoiler. Anyways, National Anthem was composed by Francisco Manuel de Silva in 1831. The lyrics to the anthem were finalized by the 1922 decree by President Esposito Pessoa, who gave the anthem its definitive official lyrics by... Joaquim Osorio Duque Estrada. <laughs> like, Tony is just trying to fuck with me at this point. <laughs> well done, Tony. Lyrics. Let there be light. And the dazzling rays of the sun of liberty bathed our country in their brilliant light. Brazil, a dream sublime. Vivid ray of love and hope to earth descends wherein your clear, pure, beauteous skies the image of the Southern Cross shines forth. Fun facts. The anthem was a replacement for the one written by the emperor. There had been a previous independence anthem written by the first Brazilian emperor, Pedro I. However, Pedro I abdicated the crown and days later left for Europe, leaving behind the then five-year-old emperor, Pedro II. Francisco Manuel de Silva then seized this opportunity to present wow. his composition. That's like the ultimate version of like going out for a pack of cigarettes and never coming home (laughs) is when you're the fucking emperor and you're like oh yeah i'll be right back it's also a power move for francisco manuel de silver who comes in says the five-year-old emperor and makes this move and says (laughs) hey he's like hey i've got i've got an anthem too 
And he played his anthem for the public for the first time on April 13th, 1831. And on that same day, the ship carrying Pedro I left the port of Rio de Janeiro. And now, the date, April 13th, appears as the official day of the Brazilian National Anthem. Francisco Manuel de Silva, oh, that's amazing. He saw the ship leaving and was like, made his move. No, he did not. He did not waste a minute. This is what I think is so fun about anthems. And, you know, our, so many of our super fans who love our inane, stupid banter and don't like the fact that these brilliant composers have created these unbelievable anthems. This music that we're about to listen to was written by somebody in the 1800s, Joe. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Passed down from generation to generation. With the ambition to, when a guy was leaving on a boat, somebody in Brazil in the 1831 played this in public, and we get to listen to the same music. And Joe, Joe, you're not going to skip this, are you? No, not at all. Now, I do wonder, was it written to like appeal to a five-year-old because he wants the new emperor to pick it? So is it is it is it more like a lullaby? Well, Joe, let's listen and find out.
Dan, that was that was pretty great. That was pretty epic. I like. Um, I mean, obviously, it is the most similar to the Uruguayan national anthem we've heard so far. Yeah. In that is very like operatic, like it has different different voices coming in, different notes. It's long, but it's not repetitive like um, the one we did last time. Uh, you know, I think it's pretty good. It's not quite the Uruguayan, but it's pretty good. I I, I honestly, and having this is the first time I've listened to it. And look, I'm a I'm a few Caparinas deep. It it that did feel like a, a nice build up and then a real powerhouse ending. I I oh I know you know what. That that we have to say is a kick-ass anthem to have some fireworks to. I bet <laughs> absolutely on Brazil Day or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. You play Brazil this Day. anthem like August 29th every year. <laughs> I think if you look at the U.S. anthem, which won't be in the World Cup, it does literally end on a high note. Like it it they they designed the anthem so there could be a military flyover at the end of it. You can't prove otherwise. Right. Even though planes weren't invented back when they wrote it. This one is like designed for fireworks to be exploding at the end. Like it's, again, it's not unique. A a bunch of anthems are are, are good like this, but you know. It is a good anthem, Dan. Seven out of 10. I like it. Seven out of 10, Joe. What's next? Next we are doing category eight. Celebrities. Yes. Thanks to super fan fan emeriti Karsten or fans emeritus Karsten, I don't know fans fans emerituses. Well, he's just a single. Pr- I, I don't know. He says, the, "Oh, honorable mentions are back, Joe." Oh, good. How many how many Playboy Playmates are going to be in this one, Karsten? <laughs> well, <laughs> you'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> could be, could be some. But anyways, honorable mention. Number one, Chris Cyborg Venancio. Whatever. I know her as a cyborg. The woman's MMA fighter. And the other one, Jose Aldo, the MMA fighter. It, they had such an advantage because they started fighting in the style that was their country, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And like they had a huge advantage at the time. Since then, I, I don't think they're winning the MMA fights, but... I honestly don't know. But anyways, let's get to the bronze medal, Joe. I mean, we've all watched the Olympics. Now these medals are, are more relevant than ever. And the bronze medalist is, is a model, Joe. Adriana Lima. She's graced the runway in Armani, Givenchy, Prada, and Dior, to name a few. She's most famous for her work as a Victoria's Secret angel. In 2011, a Hanukkah survey found that 48% of male fans interviewed would rather go on a single date with Lima than see their team win the UEFA Champions League trophy. She has consistently appeared on various male entertainment magazines' top 100 female celebrity lists. Lima has been featured in multiple Super Bowl ads. Her ads for Kia in 2012 led to a 138% increase in sales in the month of February, and was viewed wow. by more than 200 million people. Speaking of millions, she has 2.8 million Twitter followers. That's pretty good for an honorable mention. No, no, she's a bronze medalist. Oh, okay. Well, that's pretty good for bronze then, too. It's definitely good for bronze. Look, this country is... is, is they've got two honorable mentions. They've got, they've got some very 
she would be a gold medalist in many countries. Silver. TV mogul Silvio Santos is a silver celebrity. He has a net worth of $2.3 billion. Much of his wealth comes from creating Grupo Silvio Santos, which includes the SBT, Sistema Brasilio Den Programming to Brazil. He is the son of Sephardic Jewish immigrants and started work as a street vendor in Rio de Janeiro at the age of 14. He is famous in Brazil because people see him as Carson proof. Carson knows the way to my heart. <laughs> yeah, okay. He's famous in Brazil because people see him as proof that wealth can be achieved through hard work. Santos attempted to run for president in 1989 but failed. Carson could not find much on his political leanings, but according to Forbes, Santos was the only billionaire from the region and, quote, the most popular man in Brazil, end quote. The 87-year-old Santos has... 76,000 followers on Twitter. That's a scant 76,000. Scant, scant. That's okay. He might not be an active tweeter. The gold. The most popular man in Brazil only means so much from Joe's point of view. And the gold celebrity is somebody who is just as famous in the U.S. as they are in Brazil. Our gold member celebrity is international supermodel Giselle Bunchen. Giselle has perhaps the greatest name recognition for a fashion model of all time. Her pedigree as a model is unquestioned, but she has faced her own bit of criticism for her career. She made waves in 2002 for wearing real mink coats, drawing the ire of PETA. In 2010, she made a statement that breastfeeding should be law that was roundly criticized, and she has often been referred to as, quote, tough to work with. Giselle has worked with any fashion designer imaginable and has been profoundly successful as a businesswoman. A stock index was developed that tracked the performance of companies represented by Giselle. The stock <laughs> index has performed the stock index has at times outperformed the Dow Jones index. Wow, that that's a pretty dubious point. I'll just say, but anyways, he continues. In addition to immense professional success, Giselle does philanthropic work for the Red Cross. Save the children and doctors without borders and clocks in with 4.9 million Twitter followers. That's a good list of celebrities, you gotta say. And Giselle's a good pick. I like Giselle mostly because of the Tom Brady thing. And I like that, like, she seems like the sane one in the relationship, which is not a high bar because Tom Brady's fucking crazy. Well, from what I understand, the deflating football's idea was actually hers. Oh, really? Yeah, she said you would have better grip if you deflated it below the league standards. And Tom Brady was like, Giselle, that's breaking the rules. And Giselle said, anything to win is all that matters. Because she she slapped him across the face and said, get with the program, Tom. That's how how driven the Brazilians are. It's true. It's true. Yeah, yeah, you don't think that Neymar is deflating those soccer balls out there? He'll do whatever it takes. Of course he is. Of course he is. Uh, Yeah, this is a great list of celebrities uh, you know, you know, a little, a little heavy on the supermodels, but what are you going to do? I mean, it's, it's Brazil. They're, 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 they're just good looking people, you know, you like thought Brazil their chief export was Brazilian wax. <laughs> right. Well, that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, this is, this is good for them. This is a seven out of 10. Seven out of 10. As high as you can score. If Mauricio Pochettino is not one of the exports. Oh, it's true. All right. What's next? I mean, I should have marked them down for the fact that Mauricio Pochettino probably hates Brazil, but that's okay. He does, I'm sure. Category 10. Category 10. Rate the kit. 
Ooh, we are we are doing all the fun ones. Okay. Then I have a version of the kit in front of me. And I did a little reading on this beforehand. This is controversial. Not controversial. This is an exciting kit for Brazil because it's a little bit of a darker yellow than what they've done in, in recent years. Ooh. And, you know, Brazil is known for that bright, bright, bright yellow. Well, we were talking in the Argentina episode about iconic colors. I mean, what's more iconic than Brazil? The yellow. Nothing. Uh, the I, yellow I mean, shirt. Look, the, the green shorts. There's, there's a 100% chance that if you walk by, I mean, this is the test we keep using. If you walk by a TV and you see these yellow shirts playing some team in, in white, you're going to say, oh, who's Brazil playing? Exactly. You know, I really like this kit compared to past years, though. I kind of like the yellow that they're using. And I also like that there's no, they're not fucking around with stripes or things on the shoulder. This is like as simple a version of their kit as you can get. It's pure yellow. Bright, bright green Nike swoosh, some some green trim around the neck, but that's it. That's it. And then the Brazil emblem. That's it. I love it. I'm going to give it a 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. I think that's the highest for this category. I really like it. You know, the other thing I, I don't like know about who's it gonna, is... Who's going to actually beat that in this category if Brazil... But, but look at it. I mean, it, it's simple. It's clean. Also, you know, I have to say... Our over 30 co-rec soccer team, Jersey score, wore Brazil yellow. How did you do? So I would feel right at home in this jersey. (laughs) Did you win? Well, I mean, most of our games, we did not win. Oh, wow. That's very un-Brazilian of you. It's it's honestly an insult to the colors, Joe. Dan, next we have category six. Fan culture. Joe, let's go to the pre-tape. Lay it on me, Marcelo. All right, well, for the fan culture section, we've gone straight to the source. We've got our special guest, my good friend, Marcelo. Nice being here, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're in the studio. You're actually the first (laughs) podcast guest ever in the studio, in my studio. And this is very exciting. So, Marcelo. This is disorienting. You already know Marcelo. I know, but we thought this would be first. Where in Brazil were you born? I'm from Rio. Rio? The. Oh, not the capital. Oh, I no, already no. know that. But the biggest city. Yeah. The biggest <laughs> no, not the biggest city, but like the cooler, the coolest city. Like yeah. What's, what's the biggest beach. city? The biggest would be Sao Paulo, I think. Yeah. Oh. Rio has like 6 million people. Sao Paulo has 20 million people. But wasn't Rio where they did both the World Cup? Oh, no, no, no. They did the World Cup everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. But the Olympics were in Rio. Yes. The Olympics were in Rio. Actually, Rio for a long time had the biggest stadium in the world, Maracanã. Yeah. So it was in Rio. This podcast is about the Brazil national team. And, of course, growing up in Brazil, you you lived in Brazil, I guess, during all of the World Cups. Yes. I know in 2014, no, you were yeah, in I the U.S. Yes, uh, yeah. I, I, but before 2014, all, you were all, in Brazil. All my World Cups in Brazil, yeah. What is Brazil like during the World Cup? It's really, it's really amazing. Like, you have to be there to live. It's, it's like a moment where... Everybody gets together to cheer for Brazil. It's or ha- even hate the, the team, but like hate it's a love and hate situation. People hate the team. Yeah, because never good enough. It's like yeah. you know when like there's so many <laughs> expectations and you want them to, and you feel like they should have done better. You know yeah. they can't do better than this, and like 
they, we should have one for like five zero. One zero is not enough. You know, yeah. stuff like that. It's kind of ridiculous. And if you grow up in the suburbs like I did during the World Cup or right before, like all the community get together to like paint the walls and, and like the streets and hang flags. And it's like it's really crazy. And, Actually, and during the games, what is it like? During the game, during the game, it's crazy. Then it's like uh, every the city is deserted because you don't work. If Brazil is playing, nobody works. Like, nobody all works. All companies like, yeah, just like, that's like a home. vacation day. It's, yeah, because I mean, it's it's a serious situation. Yeah, so everybody either go to a bar or like uh, somebody's house, and I have these memories from my childhood of like these air horns, like bang. It's like a very apocalyptic like place. You look around, there's nothing. Everybody's <laughs> watching the game, and just people like blasting their horns. Yeah, it's really. So if I were, like, standing in the street, would I be able to tell when Brazil scores a goal? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would just be obvious. It would just be, like, obvious. air horns and all sorts of weird sounds yeah, going people on. people yelling. For a while, we had... This is actually a funny story. I just remember it now. Uh, when cable TV started to become popular in Brazil, people, like, just got cable to watch the games because the quality of the, the, the transmission was better. But because, like, the regular TV signal is, like, faster... People watching the regular like the regular channels would just like see the goal happen first. Oh, yeah. So people with cable TV they actually just like fuck it, I'm not gonna use it anymore. <laughs> just like stopping <laughs> back to regular TV because yeah, the imagine time you're delay. watching when the guy's about to kick, like you, you see your neighbor yelling go, and it ruins your whole experience. So there was this kind of like yeah, that's problem. funny. I wonder how you even fix that. <laughs> just like just go back to yeah, watching that every, TV. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's what Brazil is like. In a normal World Cup, but in the did you go to Brazil during the 2014 World Cup? Yeah, so you there. visited. I You're visited. from Brazil. I'm from Brazil, but you've now you've lived in the U.S. for now five years. Yes, five years. And but you went back. Mm-hmm. Were you there for the entirety of the Brazilian? Now, I know. I thought I watched some games, some Brazil games with you. We did. We watched. Like I, I went for the last second half of the World Cup. Like, second half of yeah. the World Cup. So, so the so, first half was here. We watched some games. Yeah. So. Take me through what it was like in Brazil when, when, what was it? What's the game called? The infamous game? The Mineraço. Yeah. What? It was really depressing. Like, uh, well, first, like, getting there, I, I, uh, I watched, we, I was able to watch some games with my friends, and Brazil was just progressing. Everybody was happy. It was really cool to be on the streets and seeing so many people from all over the world, like, like, cheering, drinking. It was a huge party all over the town. But for the finals, and I remember I was traveling back from, to the U.S. the day after, like, we never, okay, I didn't really believe we were going to win, even though, like, deep down you kind of hoped for it, you won it, but, yeah. like, losing, like, 7-1 seven, seven was so sad. It was just, everybody was super depressed. People, like, just tearing their, their jerseys, like, off, off, off and just, like, yelling at each other and getting drunk it was really everybody the whole country was completely depressed yeah and speaking well the i'm about to get into the fan culture section here and i want you to go i mean we're in the fan culture section i guess in the podcast i'm gonna just tell i'm gonna read out what superfan yannick wrote about brazil but superfan yannick is a big fan and is from germany so what do you think of Germany right now? And it's okay. You can hurt Superfan Yannick's feeling. <laughs> I mean, their team? 
just what do you think about the German fans? Did did, did, they, did that game change your your feeling about Germany? No, that's the thing I was start, trying to explain about how we Brazilians feel about our team. Like we blame our we blame our team always. Like we don't honestly we don't we don't have anything against against Germany. We all know that they played really well and. There's even this feeling that people talk about, like they even let us score one goal, so they, so we wouldn't feel so humiliated at <laughs> yeah. home. So it's more like we we start blaming our, like ourselves and some some of the, our players. Uh, and I don't think I, me at least me and my friends we don't really have anything against Germany. Yeah, yeah. Right. for them. Yeah, I don't know. Well, that's good. And so here, let's see if if uh, super fan Yannick. <laughs> okay, wow, super fan Yannick here is taking some shots, so we'll see if your opinion is the same. He says, and I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to go point by point of what super fan Yannick says, and you are, you embody Brazilian fan culture, so I want you to see how accurate of a job he's doing here. Okay, okay so he says, the football nation, or is it? The attendance in most stadiums is pretty low due to high ticket prices. Outside the stadiums, you will find the real Brazilian fan football culture. Nearly everyone follows the Seleção. The team gave the people hope when the economy and politics were shit. The national team was always a reason to unite. In recent years, the team wasn't as good as expected. This changed when coach Tite was hired. He turned the team back to Brazilian football. Fast, explosive, skillful football. Brazilians love it. Beautiful football is really important to the fans. Yeah, we're not. We definitely we would not like to be like like Germany, like just winning. We we want to win with style. Yeah, That's yeah. why we we have so such high expectations. Like we want us to dribble and score like beautiful goals. Yeah, is is Yannick right so far? Is there do the stadiums not full because of ticket prices? Yeah, it's really expensive, and uh, there's the whole story about like how they were over, like the uh, the government just like made a lot of money building those stadiums. Some some of them in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. They, they built nobody. one in the rain forest yeah, or something so like. so like people would just watch it at home yeah um, yeah yeah okay he says brazil is expected to win every tournament the high expectations often lead to frustration exactly this yeah and brazilian fans are very emotional just think about all oh no he, he put in something about the 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 what is the game called again the mirror mean it as yeah he, well he, we don't call it we don't call it anything right we don't just talk about it yeah we don't have a name for that <laughs> he says he says brazilian fans uh they're the quote uh from one of the fans he talked to was if brazil wins it's nothing more than an obligation if they lose it's shameful exactly and losing seven to one people yeah. are just like angry about about the country about everything <laughs> all right wow so so, so this is, is that, good this is, is good so yannick is, is doing it doing well yeah. now he says your biggest rivals he said, not many actually said Germany. In his research, he said, your biggest rival is Argentina. Always, yeah. And it was really... So that's interesting. Like, of course, losing the, on the, in the final was... No, semi-final, right? In the semi-final. semifinal was really bad. But what kind of worse than that was seeing Argentina going to the final. Yeah, yeah. As, it was terrible, too. Yeah. And Yannick says that the, the... He says, when you play Argentina, it's a big clash of styles which is the Argentinian physical football versus the beautiful football of Brazil. So it's the Argentinians are fighters and the Brazilians are dancers. 
Yeah, you could you could say that. Yeah, just one other point from what it, what we said before. Like, so Germany and Argentina they went to the finals, but yeah. like we still we were cheering for Germany. You were rooting for yeah, Germany because yeah. like if Argentina had won, we, people would have imploded. <laughs> yeah, people would have come arms just and just bur- like, burned it to yeah, the ground. Just burned to the ground because yeah. that would be like the, the most embarrassing thing ever. Yeah. There you go, Joe. On the ground reporting. I love it. I love it. Uh, I mean, what better way to talk about fan culture than an actual fan? And once again, our super fan, our, our fans emeriti, three for three. That's it. I mean, that's the last segment that Marcelo did. So they nailed it. They nailed it. They nailed it. Uh, look, um, you can all take a, take a breath, fan emeriti. You passed the test. Uh, you know what? I was thinking about it as Marcelo was talking about it. It's it's so it's like the mark of a truly truly great team that when you lose, you don't blame the refs, you don't blame the circumstances, you don't blame even the other team. It's not even that Germany played well, which obviously Germany did play well, but it's that your team failed. Yeah. And I think that like really is the mark of a team that has high expectations is that the only way to lose is if they're not playing up to their potential. And, you know, it's it, it's also not, like, that's not false, like, confidence either. Like, that is that is, that is is earned confidence based on how, how good this team should be. So it, it's such an interesting fan culture, though. I just say, like, as a fan culture goes, like, like you know, there's going to always be more disappointment than excitement. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I thought was so interesting was... It- I mean, I wouldn't say the U.S. has acrimonious feelings towards Belgium or whatever, but, you know, in order for the U.S. win to win, the U.S. has to play well and the other team has to play badly. And I guess as far as Brazil thinks, in order for Brazil has to win, Brazil just has to play well, and that's it. Right, right. Well, yeah, I know. And and you think about being an American fan, and I guess this kind of goes back to the too good, too bad category, but, like, being an American fan... If America had made the World Cup and had made, let's say, the quarterfinals, it would have been, like, amazing. For Brazil, making the quarterfinals would be devastating. Yeah. So there's, there's you know, you know it's, it's, it's high risk to root for Brazil because the fan culture is one that expects total domination. Yeah, this is another, I mean, this is similar to Argentina. This is a win or bust situation. I, yep. If you don't win, I, I honestly think for Brazil, even making the final isn't, obviously making the final is expected, but I think losing the final might even be uh, be seen as a disappointment. Oh, what a what a final that would be though. Brazil beating Germany in Europe. It's like six to one. It would be. Six to nothing. <laughs> oh. What a redemption story. It would be good. Um, oh, you know, look, look, this is a great fan culture. This is a country that, you know, like I love, I love thinking about being in a place where um, every business is closed because it's a big deal, you know, and, and it's great. It's so cool to hear about Marcelo's, you know, childhood memories with it. So uh, let, let's say eight out of 10. Eight out of 10. All right, Joe, what's next? We're out of Marcelo. I'm, I'm going to have to carry the podcast my own. I mean, you could do a Marcelo impression, but I, th- I feel like it would be offensive. Well, I'm trying to every time I try to pronounce <laughs> these Portuguese words, and I'm failing miserably. Category nine. System of government slash head of state. Thanks to Superfest Bez and Superfan Ryan. 
So a little bit about Brazil. So Brazil is South America's most influential country, a rising economic power and one of the world's biggest democracies. Over the past few years, it has made major strides in its efforts to raise millions out of poverty, although the gap between rich and poor remains wide. The politics of Brazil take place in a framework of federal presidential democratic republic, whereby the president is both head of state and head of government and of a multi-party system. Legislative power comes from the National Congress, a two-chamber legislature comprising the federal Senate, uh, Senate again, of course, and of the course. Chamber of Deputies. Ooh, that sounds like a like a rejected Harry Potter title. It does. Honestly, I think it's better than some countries, but uh, you know, it could could be improved. Anyways, once again, it's Senate's the upper house. Always, yeah, it's the Senate. You're no, there's no, there's no Senate. For the past three years, Brazil has been gripped by a scandal which started with a state-owned oil company and crew to encapsulate people at the very top of the business and even presidents. On the face of it is a straightforward corruption scandal, albeit one involving millions of dollars in kickbacks and more than 80 politicians and members of the business elite. But as the tentacles of the investigation called Operation Car Wash fanned out, other scandals emerged. It has led to some of those who have found themselves accused claiming they are victims of political plots designed to bar them from office. Operation Car Wash began in March 2014 as an investigation into allegations that Brazil's biggest construction firms overcharged the state oil company for building contracts. Investigators accused directors at the firm, named the world's most ethical gas and oil company in 2008, of skimming the extra money off the top as a bribe for awarding the contract. That is bad enough. But then the ruling Workers' Party found itself dragged into the corruption scandal amid allegations of having funneled some of these funds to pay off politicians and buy their votes to help with political campaigns. Michael Timor was sworn in as president in August 2016 after senators voted to remove the previous president, Dilma Rousseff, from office over financial irregularities relating to Operation Car Wash. His inauguration brought to an end the 13-year rule of Ms. Rousseff's left-wing Workers' Party. A veteran of the centrist Brazilian Democrats Movement Party, Mr. Tamir, will serve the rest of Mrs. Rousseff's term to the end of 2018. Once political allies, Mr. Tamir served as vice president in Mrs. Rousseff's government for, only, for over five years before playing a key role in impeachment proceedings against her. He acted as interim president during her trial. And let's learn a little bit more about this. I don't even know if it's Michael or Michel Tamir. I don't know. I'm sorry for butchering it, our Brazilian fans. Who became president in August 2016. Joe, why you might like him. Intended to overhaul the pension system and labor laws and to curb public spending. Believes in a blend of economic and social liberalism that is unusual in Brazil. An example of this is his belief that abortion should be legal, which is at odds with the view of most of Brazil, which has some of the toughest abortion laws in the world. A keen poet, which Brazils make fun of him for. Oh, I like that. Why you might not like him. Was vice president when the previous president was impeached and assumed the presidency upon removal of her from office. Well, I don't know why you... It's a reason not to like him. Not really his fault. (laughs) He was accused of corruption like his predecessor many times. 58% of Brazil wanted to get rid of him too during the impeachment process. And the final fact, his 33-year-old wife, Marcella, is a former beauty queen who is over 40 years younger than him. Oh, wow. Well, you know, 
it's good to be the president, I guess. Um, <laughs> no tangents there to our democracy. <laughs> I was um, thinking that Operation Car Wash is kind of like a terrible name for a scandal. But then I looked up the, the Portuguese version of that, and it's Operacio Lava Jato, which sounds much better. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I mean, racked with corruption, uh, you know, insider dealing and, uh, and conflict of interest. I mean, this all sounds like very familiar, <laughs> um, but like, you know, you, you, you take all that, but like scrub away the right wing nationalism and like, it doesn't seem so bad. Yeah. It doesn't sound like too much nationalism. No. No, and I like that this president is obviously more socially progressive than even the rest of his country, which is like a tough thing when you have a very religious country like Brazil. Um, but yeah, this seems all right. You know, relative to some of the other countries we've talked about, it's no, it's no Uruguay or Costa Rica. Um, but uh, this is like a solid six out of ten. Six out of ten. I mean, you're not grading on a curve, although I think you should be considering the country is so big. But I'll allow it. I'll allow it, Joe. So next up we have, hold on, I'm using my Netscape Navigator random car generator in honor of Marcelo. Yeah, he designed that logo as it spins. Category four. Top player to watch. The top player to watch is Gabriel Jesus. Oh, I love Gabriel Jesus. Who does he play for, Joe? Plays for Man City. He does. He plays for Man City. He's only 20 years old. He's so good. He's a winger and a striker. David says, super fan emeritus, fans emeritus, David PhD. Elegant player. Great technical skills. Good dribbling, good positioning. He's currently injured, but could be the X factor alongside Neymar. Comes from a very religious family and allegedly wears the number 33 because it's supposed to be the age at which Jesus was crucified. In August 2016, he got matching tattoos with Neymar. A boy overlooking a favela. In your beloved FIFA 18, he scores an 83 with a 92 potential, Joe. Ugh, I know. It doesn't, it, it seems like you're already familiar with him. I mean, I'm sort of like obligated to hate him because he plays for Man City and he's going to be good for them for so long. But man, he's good and he's fast and he's just a, like such a solid forward. And not to mention that you look at like just the Brazilian roster and it is just like chock full of like great players from from around the globe i mean like it's it's i mean well they're all by far from brazil but they go around the globe they play around the world right right brazil one of the few countries uh, that doesn't need to resort to like selling citizenship true. to it's like true. get star players um but like but like you i mean this is by far the most star studded roster of any world cup team no question about it. Yeah, I mean, look, it, I think that's when we talked about the population thing. It is by far the biggest country in the World Cup that's like a contender because everybody in this map, 200 million people, everybody growing up wanting to be the next Neymar or the next Ronaldo or the next Pele. I mean, unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I mean, so look, I really like this player. I think, um, you know, if... If he recovers from injury, he's going to have a good World Cup. But also, he's going to have a good, like, many World Cups, um, uh, you know, in the future. And this is just one of a lot of players that are going to be exciting to watch on the Brazil team. This is a, 
Eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. All right, Joe, what's next? Next up, we have category two. The group. All right. Well, we've already been to this group before. Group E. We've been there twice, actually, Joe. We went there for Costa Rica. You gave it a six. We went there for Serbia. You gave it a six. But let's rehash it briefly for Brazil. Brazil, Switzerland, Serbia, and Costa Rica. Brazil, 73% chance to win the group, 88% chance to advance. Switzerland, 13% chance to win, 47% chance to advance. Serbia, 9% to win, 42% to advance. Costa Rica, 5% to win, 21% to advance. So the way this group shakes out is it is Brazil's to win and advance. Highly likely Switzerland and Serbia are going to compete for that second spot. Costa Rica, a dark horse. And here's what 538 has to say about it. After its heartbreaking 7-1 defeat by Germany in front of its home fans in 2014, Brazil will be out for revenge in Russia. The way the tournament bracket is set up, Brazil and Germany could be on a collision course to meet in the final if they both win their respective groups. As it stands, Brazil and Germany have the highest and third highest chances of making the final in 2018. Which means, yes, according to 538, Brazil is the highest chance to make the final. And this group, you could say Switzerland and Serbia are, you know, I don't want to diminish Switzerland and Serbia. Serbia, which we did last episode, Switzerland, which we'll do, and Costa Rica, which we've already done. But obviously, none of these countries are even in the ballpark of Brazil. Yeah, I mean, it, it strongly feels like there are three countries two two front runners within that who are fighting for the second spot from the group yeah. uh, you know no question about it yeah and if i recall correctly brazil plays costa rica first right so brazil starts out with switzerland and then they play costa rica and then they play serbia so they they actually play the toughest team first right i mean it's so interesting that their group is so much easier than their qualifying competition I mean, in theory, it, it is just, it is crazy, though. In qualifying, they get to play every team twice. And again, they played so well. But but you can imagine, they started qualifying out, losing 2-0, to zero, and then they won the next 17 games. So it's like, boy, you start at the World Cup with one loss, that stuff. Although, <laughs> I mean, Brazil just does not, <laughs> Brazil is so yeah, good in the form, World Cup. It just Cup. seems like they're not going to do that. And look, I mean, this is a group sort of, this is a group designed to help Brazil win. I mean, not intentionally, I don't think, but, um, but this is, you know, anything short of winning this group would be catastrophic for them. I think they're going to be fine. I think it's a good group for them. I think obviously as, as a fan of this team, I feel like you would want your team to be matched up with a little bit more of a challenge, especially because I mean, world cups are short. You don't get that many games. Wouldn't it be nice to see them go up against someone interesting really early yeah, on yeah, Portugal or somebody um, in their group. Exactly. So I'm going to give this a little bit of a lower grade from Brazil's standpoint, because I think the reason why I like this group for the other three teams, I guess we haven't done Switzerland yet, is that it seemed like it was a real toss up for that second spot. And there was just a lot of parity yeah. between the, the, the other three teams. Brazil, that's not an issue for them. And like part of that parity is that there's not one that stands out as the clear second place, possibly first place team. So I think for them, it's a four and a half. Ooh, tough score. 
But it is if Brazil doesn't come out of this group with three wins, that will be a, a disappointing result. And and you know, to your point, that's that's not the most interesting group in the world. Absolutely, Brazil Brazil's interesting matches are going to come after that. But uh, all right, what's next? We only have two categories left, Joe. No, we only have one category left. That's right. Category seven, atrocities. My, my favorite one to end with, Dan. I'm super fan, Josh. Fan Emer- fans emeritus Josh, PhD, who also should have already been texting me at this point. He says Brazil is a mixed bag. They have a pretty rough past as Brazil is a major center of global slavery during the 18th and 19th centuries. But the Portuguese empire gets much of the blame for that. Brazil also had a military government in the 1960s and 1970s that persecuted leftist dissidents. Though, there's a lot of evidence this regime was backed and encouraged by the American government as part of the Cold War project of keeping Latin America from falling under the sway of communism. Since the 1970s, things have improved, though there are still some serious problems. Extreme poverty and wealth inequality have led to a lot of violence and corruptions. Perhaps more damning for the current government is the ongoing destruction of the Amazon rainforest. Beyond the ecological impact, this is a human disaster for the many, many indigenous people who live in the region. Logging and mineral extraction companies have been linked to a number of murders of indigenous land rights activists and murders of Amazonian peoples. And there's evidence that the government has looked the other way or implicitly tolerated this process as part of, quote, developing the region. He puts the atrocity level at a cooked chili pepper. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is I remember reading a lot about Brazil and, like, the run-up to the World Cup and then the, the Olympics and how basically, like, it was displacing, like, so many people in poverty. And obviously, like, now, like, all of whatever, like, minor atrocities happened in Brazil in the run-up to the World Cup have been, like, completely eclipsed by, like, the massive amount of slave labor in Qatar. But, like, yeah. but, like that doesn't make it good. It's, just, it's not quite as bad. Um, yeah, I mean, Brazil seems like they have their own problems, but most of them revolve around, like obviously the rainforest stuff and the poverty stuff, which like, you know, I, I could think of some sc- other countries, perhaps the very city <laughs> I live in that grapple with some similar issues. And on the scale that we're talking about of like genocide level atrocities with some of these countries, it's not so bad. So um, I'm going to give Brazil a six out of 10 in this category. Six out of 10 and one category left, Joe, one that you are not perhaps at liberty to rate. Because Dan, I would like you to rate the drink for me. Well, look, this isn't the best drink I've ever had, but it's it's very good. It, it's it's very similar to a mojito in its refreshingness, refreshingosity. You know, according to Marcelo, I got the cheap casasha, so c- c- whatever. So I'm not experiencing whatever the best. I'm I'm experiencing like their version of like the cheapest vodka mixed into the drink. It's pretty damn good. I mean, I would give it a solid seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. Okay. Which puts Brazil at a total of 76, which puts their average at 6.91, which is higher than Costa Rica. Higher than Uruguay, higher than Sweden, higher than Portugal, all of which you said yes to. The only country Brazil does not score higher than is their bitter rivals, 
Argentina, who's at 84 and a half. But this, uh, this seems like solid in the yes category, Joe, to be perfectly blunt with you. I mean, the only thing that I've, I've learned in this podcast, well, not the only thing I've learned, but, but the biggest thing I've learned is that Marcelo and our other Brazilian fans are going to be disappointed that Brazil didn't get 110 points. For our Brazilian fans, this spot, the fact that Brazil goes through but scores much lower than Argentina is a disgrace, a national disgrace. Absolutely. Um, you know, that being Assuming said, they go course, through, sorry. Of course, Brazil is going to go through, and I can only hope that the seeding is such that they're uh, matched up with Argentina. <sighs> Joe, that's point. going to be a fun FIFA match. <laughs> All right, Dan. Uh, I'd like to talk about poll questions. Uh, do we have an update on the raccoon situation? So as a result of the raccoon poll question, so the raccoon, since be, being a very present guest at the last por- podcast recording has not been seen since that night he has not come back although he might wow he could be outside right now he or she although i assume it's a he could be outside right now but anyways we got the votes in what should i do about the raccoon situation 33 percent said i should keep it as a pet 33 percent said i should kill it you monsters <laughs> That's, those are such polar extremes from our listeners 22% said I should move, and 11% said I should illegally capture and move the raccoon. 0% said I should ignore it, the actual thing I'm going to do. So thank you, fans, <laughs> for nothing. You were not helpful. But, Joe, on this Brazil party episode, the, I mean, it's two hours long. I've had so many caparinhas. You've vomited five times during this episode. It's each of us have had our own. We're each like different uh, timelines on the party. Yeah, I don't know if it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. We are. We are. We are the embodiment of every stage of a party. Yes. Look, I've heard you, Dan, multiple times this episode express your fear and doubt about planning a wedding. Oh God! And I think it's only fair that we start using our polls to help do this. So I think right off the bat, how many countries have we, have we done so far? This is number 11. Number 11. So which of the 11 teams that we've Over talked about? Over one third of the so way done. 11, so there's going to be 11 options for our super fans to vote for. Which of the 11 teams we've done so far should Dan have as the food theme for his record? <laughs> oh, what, man. What, what countries could we... What, what country's cuisine should Dan have as his wedding? See, Dan, we're just going to do this for you. So by the end of this podcast series, we'll have 20 fan votes on the, the theme, on, on every aspect of my potential wedding. Yeah, I mean, what I would hope is that is that Megan, you know, embraces this and like sends sends us like four pictures of different wedding dresses she's thinking about. And let's just have the fans vote on it. Well, they could vote on her ring. I gave her a, a placeholder engagement ring. Because I was like, I don't want to pick out a ring for her. I, I, I don't know what, what type of ring she would find fashionable. But, you know, like I knew what type of stone she wanted. I knew her ring size. But I was like, I, I, I don't, I don't want to pick out the ring that she's going to have to wear and, like, present around. She should pick out her own ring. But I still wanted to surprise her. So I bought, you know, a little silicone ring that was the right size and the right color, which he is, like, wearing around. 
think she likes the concept of being engaged. Like that's something she's finding exciting. Maybe that will be the ring that she ends up just keeping. Maybe maybe she'll just like like scotch tape the stone of her choice to the silicone ring. Ah, I think she should she should get a nicer ring. I mean, she's listening to this right now, so I can't I can't get anything by her. I keep telling her to stop listening to the podcast, but she won't. Speaking of which, anybody who's listening to this podcast after like the two hour mark. I don't even know what to do with you guys, but you're now super fans. Go to JoePixPod.com slash International Lounge. Get in your votes about my future wedding. Should I have Brazilian meat? Should I have Argentinian meat? Should I have those Serbian delicious uh, uh, pita bread hamburgers? Oh, Joe, how about Moroccan food? How about Russian? Ooh, how about Swedish meatballs? Oh, my goodness. So much. So much. So many choices. So many options. And... Our new our our, our our next episode are we are gonna do a doubleheader. It's going to be Denmark and it's going to be South Korea. So we're gonna have to wait. I'm gonna have to wait for the airmail or the, the international mail of that soju to arrive. Oh, no, no, no. We're holding South Korea. That's what you said. We're ho- we're we're canceling South Korea for now. We're gonna do South Korea in May when I'm in San Francisco. Okay. So our next two episodes are going to be Denmark and Nigeria. Ooh. Denmark and Nigeria is our next doubleheader. Classic rivalry. <laughs> Huge rivalry. <laughs> I've, I've actually already got the drink for Denmark ready to go. I'm very excited. I've never had it before in my life. It's, it's going to be a new experience. And I, God knows what the drink for Nigeria is. I'll have to research it. But, Joe, that's going to be our doubleheader next week. So, folks, if you have any feedback about this episode, about the podcast series, about my upcoming nuptials, about... Denmark or Nigeria, let's hear it. And I think, wow, I think that's it for this marathon episode, Joe. That's a wrap, Dan. I'm going to go puke. Right. Well, on that note. <laughs> Congratulations, buddy. On that note, everybody, see ya. <laughs> Thanks, Marcelo.